0: Eagles Entertainment. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of NovaCare rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare, so can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy. I've been dying to do a long run up to the 2000 season. But first, let's back up to the final moments of 1999. Five, four, three, two,
1: one, happy
0: 2000! Remember when everyone was partying like it was 1999? Because it was? Some of those same partiers were super panicked about the calendars ticking from 1999 to 2000 and frying all the computers around the world. President Bill Clinton had a Y2K czar. Even the National Football League was worried.
2: They were so worried. Each team was asked to designate a Y2K liaison to address the situation. The NFL also told each franchise to check all the components essential to staging a game. The list included stadium services and vending. There were even concerns that turnstiles
0: would freeze up. The worry was so real that at one point, the NFL was ready to schedule the January, end-of-the-season games between teams located near each other in case the Y2K bug disrupted travel. The new millennium dawned with no real problems for the NFL. On January 2, 2000, at 1 p.m., the first kickoffs of the new century went exactly as they always have. Hi there, it's Rob Ellis. Welcome to a new century and a new decade of return game. Birds, boys, and bad blood.
2: I love this period of Eagles history. This is the decade when I really got into the
0: rivalry. Derek Gunn and I are here to lead you through the Eagles' rebuilding years and take you down to Dallas and check in on their performance.
2: Remember, the boys have been pretty dominant through the early to mid-90s, but by ninety-nine, they lost some big stars to injury and retirement. Plus, They cycled through a fair number of coaches. In 1999, the Cowboys finished second in the NFC East. The Eagles brought up the rear with a 5-11 record, but that's okay. They were in yet another rebuilding phase. The end of the century brought revitalization in the form of
0: Andy Reid. Reid came to Philly from the Packers. It was his first head coaching gig in the NFL.
3: They called him Big Red for a reason. He had a red hair at the time, and he had a red mustache, and uh, he was like a gentle giant moving around. You see him waddling around because, uh, like me, he had bad knees. But he was one of those guys that you always just wanted to get up to and just give him a hug, uh, a good greeting, because he is a strong, mentally strong, but just a great, caring type of dude. He was one of those coaches that
0: everyone absolutely loved. That was Brian Westbrook. Westbrook, and his still-good knees, wouldn't join the team until a couple years later, but his description of Coach Reed is just too good not to use. In 1999, the Eagles had the number 2 overall draft pick, which is pretty big. So Coach Reed had a tough call to make, running back or quarterback. Some fans wanted running back Ricky Williams, and choosing a quarterback wasn't straightforward. There were several highly touted QBs expected to be the top picks. Reed and the Eagles chose Donovan McNabb, which turned out to be the right call.
4: They drafted Donovan that year, second round. He didn't play it early on. So I remember Andy coming into the meetings and just telling us, listen, guys, just continue to play well. I'm going to right the ship on offense. We're going to get this team turned around. And we bought in. We went into the game knowing that we had to get at least two or three turnovers and possibly score on defense to give ourselves a chance to win. And Andy righted the ship on offense. Once Donovan started to flourish at his position, we started to turn things around.
2: Jeremiah Trowder was a linebacker during Coach Reed's first season.
4: The defense was playing really good that year. We led the league in turnovers, and now Andy was starting to build the offense.
2: Christy Scales, a sideline reporter for the Dallas Cowboys radio network, says their team was in a coaching transition too, starting with their head coach.
5: In 2000, uh, Chan Gailey had been fired, and Dave Campo, who had been Cowboys' defensive coordinator, was promoted. So
0: the Eagles had this group of defensive players, Bobby Taylor, Troy Vincent, Jeremiah Trotter, and Ike Reese. Reese says they were feeling pretty good about the new football year.
6: We were excited coming to the season based on the way we finished in 1999. We felt like, okay, we might have something. We may have some talent to at least be
0: respectable. Philadelphia played four preseason games. They only won one. The Eagles quickly turned the page on the preseason. The games that counted for the Eagles and Cowboys started September 3rd, 2000 in Texas Stadium. It's like the
6: first day of school, right? Anything can happen. Playing the Dallas Cowboys in an opener is a big deal, right? We know that game's going to be on TV. Everybody's going to see it. And so they were at the end of their run of being the Dallas Cowboys of the 90s with the triplets and everything.
2: Ike Reese just mentioned the triplets. So that's Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, and Michael Irvin. In 1999, Irvin suffered a career-ending injury at the vet of all places. He was tackled by Tim Houck and went headfirst into the turf. This 2000 season would be Aikman's last, and Emmitt Smith continued with Dallas until 2002. But... Dallas always had a special knack for intimidating the Eagles.
6: And so I just remember that day being excited to have this opportunity. And we were excited to see what Donovan, our new franchise quarterback, could do. He only played in a handful of games in his rookie year, but he finished well. And he was going to get his first opportunity to start the season as the starting quarterback. And I just think we got
0: the game off to a great start. Reese is right. It really was an amazing game. Let's just stop right here. No way, Rob. There are just too many highlights to give up now.
2: We must press on. Let's go to Dallas.
4: We knew it was going to be hot. There was a heat wave going on. There were so many people leading up to that time saying, well... You know, the Cowboys, they're going to have an advantage. They've already been practicing in the heat. Um, The Eagles haven't been practicing in the heat. It's going to be a shocker to them.
0: That's Bobby Taylor, a Texan and one of the Eagles' starting quarterbacks. He knows Texas heat, and so does Jeremiah Trotter.
4: So I know how hot it is in Texas. So I know it's going to be scorching. It's nothing to be 110, 115 in Texas, right? They're talking about the heat all week. And, you know, the trainers are saying we're going to drink pickle juice.
0: Did Trotter just say that trainers are going to make them drink pickle juice? He sure did. This season opener showdown in Texas became synonymous with one thing, pickle juice. Leading up to that game, we were all
6: concerned about uh, staying hydrated for the game. So, you know, our trainer, Rick Burkholder, I don't know where they came up with the idea, but they introduced it to a lot of us who had sort of a history of cramping. And I happened to be one of those players, and it was drinking pickle juice. We actually
7: started, like, taking little shots of pickle juice during the week of practice. The Texas Pickle Juice Council certainly
0: hasn't done a great job of spreading the word about the benefits of the salty green stuff.
4: I never heard of it. I mean, but, you know, when you know it's going to be hot, you try anything to stay hydrated.
0: And did Trotter drink the pickle juice?
4: Oh, without a doubt. (laughs) He he could have said, hey, this gasoline going to keep you hydrated. I'd at least tried it.
0: Game day. By high noon, it was 105 degrees. With equal parts blood and pickle juice coursing through their veins, the Eagles arrive at Texas Stadium. Kicker David Akers says there to greet them, a wall of heat.
7: We went to the stadium, and it was old Dallas Stadium at the time, and you we went out there, and it was noticeably hot right off the get-go. It, you know, they has an opening in the top, so the heat's coming in, but there's really no wind, so you're just getting all trapped in there.
0: That's definitely one of the risks of an open roof. But remember, God likes to watch the Cowboys melt. Uh, or play, I mean. Christy Scales was on the sideline that day and has
2: some data for us.
5: So officially, the temperature was 109 degrees at kickoff. But on the field, we had one of those little thermometers similar to the kind that you put in the backyard, like an outdoor thermometer, and it was hanging behind the bench. And the problem was the thermometer only went to 130, and it was hotter than that. And most of the games that the Cowboys played – in the 70s and 80s were noon games. And so Tech Shram made sure that the visiting team was in the sun for those games. Well, this game kicked off a little later in the afternoon. And over on the Cowboys sideline, we were baking in the heat.
4: I'm not sure who built their stadium, but for whatever reason, at game time, we were in the shade watching those guys across the field. They're cooking, right?
7: Just for me warming up and practicing, I hit a bunch of kicks, you know, the foot would hit the ground and and kind of skim across it. And the friction with the heat of that turf would actually start to melt some of the bottom of my cleats to the point where I actually went and put it into some water to cool it off and switch cleats. Besides the heat, Akers had something
0: else to think about.
6: We had practiced this surprise onside kick throughout the week.
5: It was a great call, and I'll quote uh, the former Cowboy Offensive Coordinator and one of the great assistant coaches in NFL history, Ernie Zampezi. A great play is the one that you call that works. So it was a great play because it worked, but it set up the Eagles in great field position, and and, uh, they never looked back after that.
0: That call Christy Scales is referring to is one of the reasons this game is still so memorable. It was a decision by Coach Reed and Special Teams Coordinator John Harbaugh to open the game with an onside kick. And who better to start the story than the man who made the kick, David Akers.
7: You hit the top part of the ball, you drive it down, it takes one quarter revolution and then you want it to travel 10 yards and land right at the 10-yard mark if possible so your guys can catch it there. You know, you had the ball to travel 10 yards before the kickoff coverage team can, can possess the ball. But as Reese puts it, this
0: type of play can be risky. So, to this point, we had never
6: run a surprise onside kick at the beginning of the game. When Coach Harbaugh comes up to us in the locker room and says, Coach Reed is thinking about doing the uh, surprise onside kick. Just be alert. Be ready. We're like, okay. You know, I'm like, wow, I mean, that would be, that's a pretty big leap of faith (laughs) to start the season off with a surprise onside kick. If this thing doesn't go well, it's going to be like, okay, it's the same old Eagles. So me, I heard him when he said it, but I didn't necessarily believe Coach Reed would call it. You know, to this point, Coach Reed hadn't really displayed a sort of a riverboat gambler sort of mentality. But
7: we were about to find out,
0: then the news of the play call is delivered to Akers, Reese, and Bobby Taylor.
7: I mean, like five minutes before we were on the field, he told me. He's like, hey, we kick off. surprise the side kick left. I mean, my eyes were probably big as saucers right then. You know, like, are you kidding? I mean, you're kind of excited, obviously, because you're like, oh, my gosh. If we pull this off, this is going to be awesome. But then, uh, you know, obviously a the, the little bit of the anxiety comes in. Like, man, do not screw this up, kid. Don't mess this one up. We get to the kickoff and
6: we're huddled up. Coach Reed walks over as he typically does before the kickoff. And sometimes he'll say, he'll give us a little bit of a little pep talk, tell us to go down there, get a big hit or what have you, and then we're off and going. So we're waiting on him. He comes over and he says, All right, we're gonna run a surprise onside kick. Let's run it here. What do you think? And and I was the only one that said, uh I don't know, Coach, we probably shouldn't do this right now, right? And he said, and I can't say the exact words that he said, but he said, oh, quit being a bleepity bleep and just go just go cover the kick. We're running it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so everybody got fired up, right? All the players got fired up like, yeah, we're doing it. We're doing it. We're going to run it. So I'm like, all right, here we go. Let's go do it. I'm going to do my part, do my job,
4: and hopefully this works out. David Akers was our kicker at the time, and he kicked the perfect ball.
1: Akers approaches the ball, and he kicks a, goes for an onside kick, and it's recovered by the Eagles, an onside kick. The Eagles
0: shocked everybody. It seems all the time on the practice field, running this play paid off. Reese's fears of the onside kick not working as planned drifted away like a perfectly kicked football. Honestly, it was relatively
6: easy to recover the kick because Dallas did exactly what we thought they were going to do, which was they don't typically watch the ball get kicked before they start to retreat to go block. They leave early, and that's what they did. So as David was approaching the ball, they were already taken off, and that made it easier for us to recover the kick because we were anticipating that they wouldn't be ready for it or they wouldn't be thinking about it.
0: So when did Akers realize the play had been a success?
7: Oh, as soon as I saw Damian Douglas fall on the ball. It was really wide open. I mean, the ball could have bounced around a little bit, and we probably still would have gotten it. They cleared out right away, but if they really watch film, they'll, if they see me arc, they're going to know that that's what it is. So it worked out, though. I was excited for it, that's for sure.
2: And in the stands, groans from over 62,000 sweaty fans.
7: Well, Dallas fans like us about as much as Eagles fans like them, obviously. And um, they weren't happy by it. But, you know, it's the first kickoff. Things will probably settle in, I'm sure, in in our mind. But ultimately, it was one of those things where the gas pedal was implemented all the way down at the first kickoff, and it just didn't let up at all the rest of the game. The opening play fired up the birds, and they kept the pressure on
0: Dallas.
1: McNabb gives it to Staley, and he is in for the touchdown.
0: Deuce Staley on a one-yard plunge off right tackle. With just eight seconds left on the clock, Deuce Staley scored a touchdown. Philadelphia capped off the first quarter with a 14-0 lead.
4: I was just dropping in, in zone. I was matching number three. And uh, I was reading Troy's eyes, and it just his eyes took me to where he was throwing the ball. And I broke in front of the ball, and next thing I know, I was running up the sideline.
1: And it is intercepted. Jeremiah Trotter at the 15, at the 10, 5, touchdown, Jeremiah Trotter, and the Eagles are up 20 to
2: nothing. Jeremiah Trotter, the laughing linebacker from Hooks, Texas, started
4: the second quarter with a big play. I'm out there playing against some of my childhood heroes, Troy Aikman and those guys, and um, my job on this particular play was to match number three, the number three wide receiver. So you count from outside in, one, two, three, and he was split out a little bit. And when he started his route up the field, after I checked for run, I started to work towards him. Obviously, um, Troy Aikman's eyes was looking that way also. So that brought me closer to him. And when he threw the ball, I just broke in front of it and and picked it off and ran, I think, maybe 20 yards for a touchdown. (laughs) So I was excited. That was my first pick six in the NFL. And obviously, I got one against a Hall of Famer and one of my childhood heroes. So it meant a lot. And then, too, it helped us put up another seven points on Dallas Cowboys.
2: All Dallas could do in the first half, nail two field goals. The teams dashed off the field to their respective locker rooms to cool down and regroup. The scoreboard read 24-6. to
1: We're back at Texas Stadium earlier today. It was over 180 degrees down on the playing surface. It probably has cooled off a little bit, but it's
7: still very hot.
0: Akers added a field goal in the third quarter. Those three points were the only ones for both teams. The score after three quarters was the Eagles 27 and the Cowboys 6. The fourth quarter got underway. Two minutes in, Donovan McNabb scored. He was having a very good start to the season opener. His first as a full-time starter. It looked like Coach Reed's rebuilding strategy was taking hold. McNabb is back. He's looking to run a quarterback draw, and he plunges into the end zone. Then the Birds
2: score again. It was Brian Mitchell. Mitchell played for Washington before joining the Birds. He pops up again in a future episode, but he was playing for the Eagles in 2000 and scored a six yard touchdown. Brian Mitchell comes in, replacing Deuce, takes the handoff, and walks into the end zone. Another touchdown, and they are
1: filing out of Texas Stadium. They are really fouling. They're heading back to Waco
2: and Fort Worth. Dallas couldn't catch a break until the boys were finally able
0: to get one touchdown. Galloway touchdown. Throughout the game, the heat was intense. Over on the Philadelphia sideline, guys hid under towels and tried to stay cool. Oh, and if you were wondering. The pickle juice was flowing.
6: They were pouring the pickle juice into the Gatorade cups. So they had it available for us as if it was cups of Gatorade. I, I think it was plastic that provided us with, with the, the amount to take care of 50 some odd football players. So it was a lot of pickle juice there,
2: and we were, we were drinking it down. It really seemed to be effective. The Eagles were
0: crushing the Cowboys. Here's a number for you. 201. Chances are, if you're a diehard Eagles fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is the number of rushing yards racked up by running back Deuce Staley during that sweltering season opener.
1: I remember Deuce as a player. He was just as tough as nails. He was like, as they say down here, he was tougher than five miles of bad
2: road. He was just, you just, you don't want to mess with Deuce. That was Brad Sham, the voice of the Cowboys. And that day from the opening kickoff, Dallas could not stop the Eagles or Deuce Staley.
5: The pickle juice game was the Deuce Staley game. He went over 200 yards and averaged like over seven yards per carry. The Cowboys couldn't stop him. That onside kick to Open the game that the Eagles got to give them the momentum. It was all downhill after that, and it was downhill running for Deuce Staley, who had the greatest game of his career. Unfortunately, from a Cowboy perspective, it's a, at the expense of the Cowboys' defense.
0: Staley's teammates were equally impressed by his on-the-field performance. Trotter and Taylor share their impressions of number 22's game. He went out there and had one of
4: the best games I've ever seen him play. He carried the team, uh, just running the ball, and we really just manhandled the Dallas Cowboys up front. He had an outstanding game. Oh, yeah, Deuce was phenomenal. I mean, he's a dog anyway, but, like, on that particular day, I mean, he had it going. I mean, the runs, some of the screens out of the backfield, catching the ball, Coach Reed was dialing him up, and he was ready. I'm not sure what the stats were, it was one of those games for the ages.
2: By the end of the game, Deuce Daly had run for 201 yards. For Brad Sham, even if it is an eagle, credit where credit is due. When you run the ball 26 times for 200
1: yards in that kind of heat on the other team's field, then you just took their lunch money. That's what that represented, Deuce doing that, and that kind of defined who the Eagles were.
0: The final score, 41-14. to The Texas thermometer read 106 degrees when the final whistle blew.
2: The Cowboys players, coaches, and fans didn't realize the Eagles had been fueled by pickle juice until after the game when it made it into the news. The legend of the pickle juice game lives on for Reese and Trotter. I don't know the
6: science behind it. All I know is the psychological effect of it was on point and yeah. We embraced it. We, we definitely embraced it.
4: A lot of people try to say it was the pickle juice that had us playing the way we played. <laughs> That's a bit of a stretch, but, you know, in our minds, we, we, we felt like that was a game to help us turn the corner.
0: All we can say is, whatever helped the Eagles play so well that afternoon, we should have bottled it. The Birds wrapped their first year of the new millennium with an overall record of 11-5. and They were knocked out of the playoffs by the Giants. quarterback and wide receiver partnership is one of the most important on the field relationships in the game it can make or break a team some say it's
2: kind of like a marriage you know being able to read your partner's unspoken cues maybe even knowing what they're going to do or in our case where they're going to throw before they do
0: it can be magic to watch Over the NFL's history, there have been some amazingly productive throwing and receiving partnerships. Think Joe Montana and Jerry Rice with the 49ers, Roger Staubach, Drew Pearson with the Cowboys, Troy Aikman and Michael Irvin, the Cowboys again, and our very own Ron Jaworski and Harold Carmichael. The Eagles had an opportunity to create another iconic pairing in 2004 with the arrival of wide receiver Terrell Owens.
4: It was just amazing to watch them all year. It seemed like They were a match made in heaven as far as their chemistry. Their game seemed like they complemented each other perfectly. Just the way Donovan was able to keep the play alive with his legs and T.O. the way he always uh, gave 100% and stayed alive. When he saw Donovan scrambling, he would come back. And it was just amazing to see. I, I think one particular year, they were on pace to break a single season record for yards passing and catching by receiver and quarterback.
2: Ah, 2004. You could watch Michael Phelps swim to victory at the Olympic Games in Athens. It was a year of sequels. George W. Bush won a second term. Spider-Man
0: 2 and Shrek 2 were released. The Eagles will return to the Super Bowl. Low-carb diets like the South Beach were all the rage. And let's not forget trucker hats, yellow Livestrong bracelets. Monday Night Football was in the Nielsen Top 10. The Eagles had their new wide receiver. And as David Aker says... The Eagles had found their
7: groove. I mean, we were kicking butt and taking names that year, and it was just fun to watch, whether you were watching running backs or you were watching, you
0: know, T.O. and the receivers. Let's back up for a moment and introduce Terrell Owens. He was born in Alabama and played college ball at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga. He didn't just play football. Owens was on the basketball team, and he ran track, too. He was drafted by the San Francisco 49ers in 1996. It didn't take long for Tio, as Christy Scales puts it, to develop a reputation in Texas.
5: Cowboy fans already hated Terrell Owens, and not so much because he was an Eagle, but because of what he had done as a member of the San Francisco 49ers when he celebrated touchdowns by running to the Blue Star at midfield. And of course, it's the famous highlight that's one of the greatest at least most popular in Cowboys history, is when safety uh, George Teague ran after him and absolutely slobber knocked him off of the star.
1: And they throw a fade right side of the end zone for Owens. He got both feet in. Touchdown catch over the shoulder. Here we go, here we go. Oh, gonna have ball. a big fight. There and goes George Owens. Teague. Puts there it down. And George there Teague levels
2: it. That notoriety followed T.O. to Philly. He signed with the Eagles as a free agent for the 2004 season. And there he met Donovan McNabb. Brian Westbrook, who joined the Birds in 2002 to be their running back, describes the early days of the McNabb Owens Union. 2004,
3: I think the rapport was really, really good. Donovan was on target as far as accuracy. He had a big arm so he could throw every pass in the route tree. And TO, you know, filled the holes in our football team. Don had the ability to target T. 12 to 15 times a game. As a team, we were operating at peak capacity. Owens helped the whole
0: team up their game.
3: T.O. took our practice to have this to a different level. When you have a Hall of Fame talent, he has the ability to take it up a notch. When they talk about some of the best players in the league, they talk about making the guys around you better. And T.O. had the ability to make everyone around him a little bit better.
0: Well, by November, the Eagles were logging a phenomenal season. They were undefeated. They headed to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers on November 7th. It was not good. The offense only put up 113 yards. The final score, Steelers 27-3.
6: We had a rough week the week before against Pittsburgh, and uh, it was our first loss
0: of the season. We're sitting at 7-1 and after that game. During the losing game, cameras caught what seemed like a tense exchange between Owens and McNabb, and the press pounced.
6: Outside voices are starting to seep in, and it's starting T.O. versus Donovan, T.O. versus Donovan, based on uh, what cameras caught on the sideline the week before in Pittsburgh.
2: The Cowboys were playing for another new coach, Bill Parcells.
0: Their record was 3-6. and six. The Birds flew to Texas for a Monday night football game. We've talked a lot about the frenzy of Cowboys week in Philadelphia. So it got me thinking, does Eagles week exist in Dallas?
5: The week leading into any Cowboys-Eagles game, I think the fans get a little more jacked up for it, but not really any of the current players. They're not aware of the history. And as a reporter, if you ask some of the current Cowboys about the rivalry or mention any of those great historical moments that really fueled the rivalry, you'll get a blank stare because those players weren't even born when that happened.
2: Oh, Christy, that's a bit disappointing to hear.
5: It sure is. But I think it's safe to say Eagles
0: fans are more than happy to be in the driver's seat of this one. It's like there is something in the air that keeps old and new fans alike hating on Dallas. But I'm getting off topic. We've got a game to play.
1: The crowd on its feet. Many of them. Philadelphia. The kickoff is in the air.
0: The ball was kicked off, and in the first quarter, Terrell Owens scores on a 59 yard pass from McNabb. So, whatever happened in Pittsburgh seemed like yesterday's news. Back
1: goes McNabb. He fires, and it is complete over the middle. He's got Owens at the 35 30, 25 20, 15 10 5. Touchdown! 59 yards to Terrell Owens.
0: It's now the second quarter. The Eagles score again.
1: The give is to Levens, up the middle, and cracks in for his second touchdown of the season.
2: Then, the Cowboys finally get on the board. The score is 14-7 Eagles, so the Cowboys could still be in the fight.
0: But not for long. Bam! Another 7 from McNabb and Owens. Then another. This time, it is McNabb to Todd Pinkston. Brian Westbrook remembers Dallas fans' reaction as the Eagles' lead grew and grew some more.
3: Dallas was tough, a tough place to play. They always had fans that showed that they hated us just as much as we hated them. I expected to be booed at opposing stadiums. Because I, I when you're getting booed, that means you're doing your job.
0: The Cowboys get another touchdown. Then with 28 seconds left on the clock in the first half, Westbrook scored a touchdown.
3: I think the most important thing for me was to show my value on a football team with stars. We had legit stars, Hall of Famers, Brian Dawkins, Terrell Owens, Donovan McNabb. We had some of the best players in the NFL on that team, and it was always important for me just to have my name mentioned among the stars that we had on that football team. Um, And so the touchdowns was a thing that I certainly wanted to be able to do and help the team win. And, you know, over the course of the season, I was able to score my fair
2: share. He's just so modest. He sure is. He really could have rubbed it in because at halftime, the score was 35-21. to Because
3: if you're up by 35, that means you went out and you executed well offensively, defensively, and special teams. And so you're excited. There's a celebration. Then the other component is you're saying, okay, we can't let this up. Jerry Jones
1: already on the field. Normally he'll make a much later appearance,
2: but tonight... His team down by three touchdowns, and they get the ball here to start the third quarter. The boys score first in the third quarter. Are the Eagles going to see their
0: huge lead slip away? Unlikely. T.O. scores again, his third trip into the end zone that game. And it's likely there were annex or a dance of some fashion. T.O. had a touchdown M.O.
3: I mean, T.O., he had the flair. Oftentimes, why receivers are described as divas or, or whatever, but T.O. was one of these dudes that just worked so hard, and when he received the reward getting into the end zone, he showed it off a little bit, and to me, he deserved it. He always had great celebrations. He always was doing something fun. You know, we're a team that needed a player like that for, for us to continue to win.
2: Not so much if you're Dallas. And just when you thought it couldn't get any worse for Dallas, Lido Shepard. Lido had a
3: flair for making plays at the right time. And you're talking about a guy that can, he had good hands for a DB. Obviously, you got to be able to catch the ball to make those interceptions.
0: That's right. With four minutes and 39 seconds left in the fourth quarter, Shepard, a defensive back from Florida, intercepted a Cowboys pass.
1: It is picked off. Running with the football up the near side of the field is Lito Shepard. Crossed the 35-40, 45 midfield. Cuts back at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. 15, 10, 5. And it is Lito Shepard, 100 yards with a touchdown.
3: He had remarkable speed. He had the ability just to outrun anyone. And on that play in particular, he caught the ball. And he I think he kind of peeked like, okay, maybe I'm going to take a knee. And then he was like, oh, no, I'm taking it out. And now you're just watching 26 run down the sideline. He intercepted a pass
7: and raced right down the left sideline, 101 yards.
3: I think he outran a lot of different guys on that play just to get into the end zone. But it was another great play from a very good player. I love the way that he was always able to kind of capture the moment with great plays.
2: And what about all those long-faced fans in the Texas stadium stands? The crowd sits on its hands and
0: gasps. There could have been a few tears from the stoic Cowboys supporters. The final score, Eagles 49, Cowboys 21.
2: It was a sad day for Dallas. It's humiliating. It depends how the game goes
1: because sometimes scores get out of hand and so it can be close for three quarters and then one play can change an entire game and certainly a mindset of a game. But when, if you've just gotten beat up all day long, and you clearly can't stop them. And the Cowboys could not stop the Eagles that day. If someone scores forty-nine points, you can't stop them, and that's not fun. <laughs> that's that's discouraging. That will hurt your feelings.
5: That game was so bad that Cowboys Nation has attempted to erase it from its collective memory. So I really can't tell you much about that game other than T.O. and Donovan McNabb smoking the Cowboys the same way that uh, T.O. smoked the Cowboys when he was with the 49ers.
0: This victory reinforced the team's confidence. This momentum continued as the Birds successfully wound down their 2004 campaign.
6: I think we still hold the record for the most points scored against Dallas in Texas Stadium. We scored 49 that night. I think we broke the old Chicago Bears record. I think Chicago had scored 44. I think Chicago beat them like 44 to nothing in 85. And I think we broke that record by putting up 49 that night. So that was satisfying and gratifying for sure. We felt like we were the best team in the NFL coming into the season. We didn't feel like there was a team that can beat us. The great thing I liked about that team is that we got right back on the horse. We went right back to work. and. Uh, that game reassured us that, yeah, we are still that team. We're not about to fall apart. And we didn't lose another meaningful game
0: until the Super Bowl. The Eagles' magical ride in the 2004 season led them to Super Bowl 39. After a 24-season buildup, the Birds had another shot at the Lombardi Trophy. We all remember how that game unfolded. We came up a bit short, losing to the Patriots 24-21. But for us, the best revenge is a Philly special. It sure is. After the Super Bowl, the relationship between Donovan McNabb and Terrell Owens took another turn.
6: They had some differences.
0: For teammates like Ike Reese, their differences centered around a common goal.
6: I think you had two guys there that were very strong in their beliefs uh,
0: about how to go about trying to win football games. But not being able to see eye-to-eye on how to accomplish their goals created a lot of tension. It started to reach a tipping point, and neither McNabb or Owens were ready to compromise.
6: When there's an unwillingness to want to work through those differences, it's hard to build anything.
0: And soon, everything Owens and McNabb had built or could have built would fall apart. You have been listening to Return Game, Birds, Boys, and Bad Blood, presented by Novacare Rehabilitation. I'm Rob Ellis, along with Derek Gunn. Keep on listening. We're headed right to the second half of this decade. Compassionate and trusted care. Clinical expertise. It's the cornerstone of Novacare Rehabilitation and why they're the leading provider of physical therapy throughout the Delaware Valley. Don't let aches and pains or any injury slow you down. Schedule an appointment today at NovaCare.com. The Philadelphia Eagles choose NovaCare, so can you. NovaCare, the power of physical therapy.